This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I am your host, Art Wiederman. It's nice to have you on the podcast as we get 2021 going. We're recording here in the middle of uh, middle of January, and it's a beautiful uh, sunny day here in Southern California. And we will continue through 2021 to not only uh, keep you updated on all of the uh, continuing saga of PPP and health and human services and Uh, employee retention, tax credit. There's all kinds of things that we're looking at um, here at Ide Bailey. I am a uh, dental director at the firm of uh, CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Very proud of that and a proud member of the National Academy of Dental CPAs, which I'll talk to you about a little bit in a minute. And today, as I've told you over the past two years, uh, you're going to meet another one of my great friends in my 36-year journey as a dental CPA, uh, my good friend, Steve Kwong. Uh, is my guest today on our podcast. Um, Steve is an outstanding professional. He is a vice president and senior financial advisor at Merrill Lynch uh, and has over 20 years of experience in the financial services and investing uh, business. Um, He is really, really smart, and it is a prerequisite to be really, really smart because your host sometimes is not really, really smart. So it it complements and um, I want to, I want to, as we go through this year, introduce you to many different people who are going to help you with your financial planning and to meet your goals. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. And, and again, you know, we're not being redundant at all. We're giving you different perspectives and uh, perspectives and different views on, on what you should be doing. We're going to talk about the different types of investments you can get in, about setting goals. And you know, folks. It is so important, and I will tell you, I've had, I've been very fortunate in my career to be able to have uh, many clients who, when they get to retirement, they they say to me, you know, Art, thank you for beating me upside the head with a two by four on an annual basis to fund my retirement and buy my office building. We're going to talk about all that kind of stuff today because I want you guys, you guys work so so hard, and I want you to have the financial ability to retire. Uh, when you want, not when you have to. So we'll get to Steve in a minute, and he's got a lot of great information and stories. Um, and and I met Steve actually through um, this uh, group that I'm in that I've had several other folks on the podcast, uh, the Ellenmeyer Connect Group. It's a wonderful dynamic group here in Orange County of professionals. Um, and um, we are required to give a little uh, note about ourselves, a little line when we introduce ourselves at each of the meetings. And uh, when Steve introduces himself, he tells us that he's learned everything he knows or needs to know about business from working in his father's Chinese restaurant. So we're going to find out about that too. Uh, But first, let me give you a little bit of information. Uh, We are um, partners with a wonderful, wonderful company called Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Decisions in Dentistry has great clinical content, fantastic continuing education courses. Please go on to their website at www.decisionsindentistry.com. Look at what they have to offer. Um, I mean, we, we've been hearing that dentists are now going to be able 
to administer the COVID-19 virus uh, vaccine. Uh, that's come out here in California in the last couple of days that that's coming down the pike. And that's very exciting for dentistry, maybe a little nerve wracking, but exciting. I'm sure they're going to be talking about that and the, the, the rules of the road about that. So look at that. If you are not working with a dental specific CPA, you need to be working with one. Uh, again, I'm with I'm a dental director at the firm of Ide Bailey in uh, Tustin, California, about 15 minutes from Disneyland. And I am a founding member of our National Academy of Dental CPAs. We're actually celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. We were formed uh, right, uh, I think it was either right before or right after, sadly, the 9-11 terrorist attacks in 2001. So we're in our 20th year. Uh, if you're not working with a dental CPA, there's so much going on. The new PPP rules, the second round, the filing for forgiveness, the HHS provider relief fund. Uh, the interaction between PPP and the uh, employment uh, retention tax credit, which I'm going to be talking to you about through the months of January and February on this podcast. Um, please go to our website, www.adcpa.org. And um, the last thing I want to tell you is that um, we are going to be having a monthly dental, the business of dental, a business of dentistry series. Uh, it starts um, in January and it'll be the second Tuesday of every single month. And please go on to our website, www.ibailey.com forward slash dental series. You can register for that. We're doing a series for new dentists in January and February. And we're doing a series on transitions in January through April. So lots of stuff going on. So I want to get to my good friend and my colleague, Steve Kwong. Again, Steve is a vice president and senior financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. Uh, he is a graduate of the University of Southern California. He's got his bachelor's and an MBA, um, which, again, makes you way too smart to be on this program, but we'll let you on here anyway. And he's got over 20 years of investment and wealth management experience. So, Steve, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Art. I'm, I really appreciated our relationship over the years and, and certainly with your affiliation with Ide Bailey. As I mentioned, I'd have the pleasure of meeting several of your partners around the country over the years and and what a fine firm and 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 you're you're great to be with them well i'm i'm very fortunate i started my career steve at uh, at actually the, it was known as deloitte haskins and cells back in 1981 uh i guess i'm in my 40th year um and uh uh now it's known as deloitte and i started at deloitte then went into my own practice and then merged with a, a great firm called HMWC, which was a firm of, uh, when I merged with them, 45 and now 90, you know, it was 90 people. And then we came full circle, merged with iBailey. And it is unbelievable the resources that our company has. I literally meet people almost every week that have a different skill set. So it's, it's wonderful. But I'm more interested in what did you learn by working in your dad's Chinese restaurant? Well, well it's interesting as you grow up and look back on those years and and when you're a teenager the the last thing you wanted to do on a weekend night is go to work at your your pop's restaurant uh, but uh, as i reflect what valuable learnings it, that that was uh, there there's no business that really captures all the aspect of of learning about entrepreneurship and and client service and inventory management hr all of the aspects of business are are capsulized inside a, a small Chinese restaurant. Um, but uh, my dad started from scratch with no training manual and kind of learned on the fly. But 38 years later, he had a, a, one of the most successful restaurants in Los Angeles. Uh, it was it ended up being a big place. We could seat 180 people with a full bar. Uh, we were packed every weekend night and usually pretty crowded on on weeknights as well. And uh, there's also that aspect of, of working for your old man and, and probably for most kids that work in a family business, you know, that's the toughest box, right? Highest yeah. expectations. Um, you kind of learned all aspects of the business. So no job was too big or too little for, for the kid of the owner. Um, so you had to be a, a smiling face and, and greet our most important clients. And then uh, the next minute you're in the back peeling shrimp. 
<laughs> well, I will tell you, Steve, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Brooklyn. And uh, my mom and dad, we used to go out every Monday night. We'd go to a restaurant called Keys, K-E-Y-S restaurant. Uh, it was around the corner from our house. It was a Chinese restaurant. They knew us. They knew when we came in. They saved a table for us. And that's where I learned to absolutely love Chinese food. I mean, it is just, oh, oh, I, I look forward. To, I, I look forward to the day when we can not just do takeout, but we can go back to restaurants and, and I've had some of the best meals of my life. And uh, so is that right? Is your dad's restaurant still around or is it? Uh... So we sold it in the eighties and primarily because number one son, me uh, didn't want to go back to the restaurant business and having lived it for a number of years, those hours were, uh, were, were grueling at times. And, and uh, it, ironically, you know, your, your, your parents uh, work hard to pay for a good education. And, and, and in my case, I got the, the blessing to, to get a you know, degree from USC. Being the first person in my family to get a college degree, I, I wanted to move, move onward. And, and I think my family supported that. That's, um, that's, that's wonderful. It, 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 another topic uh, and, and important as we work with with legacy and family businesses, but you know, have that conversation about you know what the kids' goals are, and even though it might have been a, a, a idea in the back of my dad's head that that his kid would take over the family enterprise, uh, it wasn't in the cards. But uh, I moved on with his blessing, and there was never any you know bad conversation, and we ha- had a lot of healthy dialogue about planning all of our futures, and and I respect my father a lot for not putting any, you know, limitations on me and, and, you know, making his dreams, my dreams or anything like that. And I think he was a, he was a brilliant man uh, in a lot of ways. It sounds like you had a wonderful mentor teacher um, that, that, that I'm sure made you uh, the man you are today. And I believe your, your son uh, graduated from the Naval Academy. Is that well, right? He, he's, he's there right now. Oh, he's there right now. I'm sorry. I thought he graduated. Go ahead. And, um, that 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 tells you what kind of a you know that that probably a lot of what was instilled in your son probably came from uh, from grandpa I would assume and um, uh, that, yeah. that that's wonderful. We would hope, right? We, we would hope. Yeah, there you go, um, Steve. Give us a little bit of your journey, your background, what your uh, uh, what you've done uh, to bring you to Merrill Lynch. Sure, thanks. Um, it it actually started when I was a kid too. My father had an interest in the stock market and. And back in the day, we were tracking, uh, tracking stock prices on graph paper. Um, but I always had an interest in, in this market and was reading you know, Value Line and research reports as, as a teenager. Um, as a side, uh, one of my high school professors, and I remember Syl Lax, actually taught an investment class at uh, Taft High School in Woodland Hills. So I had the good fortune of knowing stock tickers and learning how to read charts when I was 16 years old. So this business has kind of been in my blood for for the duration, and it's a, a real gift to be able to you know advise uh, doctors and dentists and business owners uh, with their investments now. So um, I started in commercial banking uh, with Wells Fargo, and then in uh, the '90s moved into wealth management first with uh, the trust company at, at Mellon, and progressed through, uh, and and finally uh, got recruited to join Merrill. Uh, almost 13 years ago now, and uh, that's a it's an outstanding platform that we can talk about uh, in greater depth. My uh, partners, uh, I'm, I'm with a team called Humphrey and Associates, and uh, I've got three other very senior advisors that all bring something different to the table. And that team concept is very important as we manage clients and really bring the the best of thinking to each client's individual situation. Well, I didn't realize that we are actually rivals. You said you graduated from Taft. Yes. Yeah. Well, I graduated from Reseda High School, so we're oh we're God. rivals. Oh my god! But we'll continue the podcast anyway. We won't. Well, we thanks won't get so much. That. So you and I have talked about investing over the over the years and stuff, and I know some of the things that you and I have talked about are goals and uh, investing with purpose and and evaluating risk and risk management timeframes. Let's start the conversation about that. Talk about you know, setting goals and 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 why purpose and timeframes are so important. And when, when you're dealing with your clients, what, how do you bring that all uh, full circle with your clients? Well, that's probably the most important starting point when we talk about any investment strategy with a client. But before I go there, 
may I just interject the the legal stuff that? Oh, uh, I forgot. Yes, yes. We have to we have to give our legal. Yeah, I'm sorry, Steve. I forgot to do that. We we must give our legal disclaimer here. So um, go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much. But uh, the discussions that we're going to have uh, forthcoming are to be strictly for informational purposes only. Um, they're not to be construed as any investment recommendations or any investment specific investment advice. Um, do not take any actions on the things we talk about today. And before you do, please consult your financial advisor or tax advisor before doing anything. So thank you for uh, indulging me on that. And oh no, no, we have to we have to do all the legal stuff and the compliance. Right. I understand. Okay, so uh, let's get back to purpose and risk management and time frame and stuff like that. Certainly. So it's it's really important to you know really imp- implement what we learned in Stephen Covey's book. Right, uh, begin with the end in mind. And when it comes to uh, any business owner and and especially dentists. Uh, the practice is is all consuming, and then you've got family obligations, and all of a sudden, the time and and capacity to think about anything else goes away. But why do we do this? You know, why are you toiling away, and and why did you go to all those years of schooling? Well, it, probably to provide financial security for you and your family, and maybe even create a legacy. And so, some of those goals that become more specific need to get highlighted. And uh, it can start from you know, buying a bigger house, um, providing for college education for your kids. Uh, maybe I, I set a retirement date. Uh, I want to be able to stop working or have optionality to work when I'm 60 or 65. So all of those goals really should be clarified. And I, I always encourage uh, my, my uh, clients to Take a long walk on the beach with a glass of wine with your spouse and just and just dream out loud. And sometimes that's a great starting point of, of creating an ideal life and and having an outcome that is intentional. And, so, and it's a good time to do it. It's the beginning of a new year and hopefully right. a better year. Right. And, uh, uh, from your lips to God's ear is a better exactly. year. Exactly. Right? So what happens, though, in reality is. Uh, sometimes those goals are conflicting and competing and we need to maybe prioritize and, and maybe a certain set of goals can be addressed with the cash flows we have and maybe other ones need to wait till the practice grows or or maybe some of the the capital that I've got got now needs to go back into growing the practice whether it's more space or additional staff so those are decisions again I've used the word intentional but uh, I, I think thought and care needs to be uh, to be uh, applied to those allocation decisions. And, and we'll use the word allocation uh, in, in the investment context. But I also think that just as you make plans and build a practice, that there are tactical allocation decisions with capital, because capital is, in most cases, a, a finite resource. And maybe today, Saving for retirement might need to take a back seat to buying a new piece of equipment or or handle or hiring a, a junior dentist to to uh, take up the load. So these are all decisions that once we've laid out goals, you know, just need to be addressed over time. So you you've talked about you mentioned cash flow and cash flow streams uh, that help fund these goals. How do you how do you identify those different cash flow streams? So if a dentist is listening to my to this podcast, this conversation right now, they're thinking, oh geez, I got I got money for my practice, maybe I got money from a building. How, how do you help them identify that? What what are the different cash flow streams? Sure, sure. So I, I think the other uh, and another answer to your question is identify cash flow streams now and then into the future, right? That goes into goal right. setting. So right. what funds a retirement or what funds college uh, education might be a, a, a cash flow stream that I start creating today and then it realizes itself in, in 10 or 20 years. But so so for most dentists, it's going to be the practice to start, right? Because you, you know, you've got patients and you've got a staff to pay and, and probably loans to pay and then everything left left for that becomes your, your cash flow. As you grow, uh, perhaps you have the opportunity to buy the building. And and with that, it's maybe it's a multi-suite medical building. So your practice is one part and then you've got rent 
from other practitioners. So that creates another cash flow stream. Um, and, and again, today's today's world, spouses work. So you, we can divide up the, if your spouse is working. Um, you know, one of my one of my clients is uh, practicing a, a general dentistry, and his his spouse is an endodontist. And right. so they can, you know, the two of them can, can do quite well together, right? Um, and and we've kind of earmarked a little bit, just not informally, his income pays for life and her income goes for savings. Oh, and I love that. I right? love that. That's great. So so that's another way to, to tr- try to put a little fence around uh, the cash flow streams. Yeah, I mean, a, a plan doesn't have to be out of a out of a textbook. I mean... That, that's a great way. You know, it's like, you know, you have a pot of money, Steve, and, you know, we got to pay taxes with it. We got to pay expenses. We got to put the kids through college and, and we got to save for retirement. And, and you just basically just hit the nail on the head. Have a plan. Your plan for this particular general dentist and his spouse, the endodontist, was, you know, one of them is going to one of them is going to pay for life and probably pay the taxes. And the other one we're going to use as savings. And oh, my God, that's going to work beautifully I, I i love that i think that's great folks uh, that's a great way to to look at things is is different pots and different income streams like you were talking about so and then, I, go ahead. i'd like to share another it's sure. elegant in its simplicity and, and a, truly a, a team of phds and mbas that specialized in behavioral finance that worked for merrill came up with this probably six or seven years ago they wrote a a 50-page white paper on this, but in essence, it boils down to having some investment buckets, and and three in particular, and think in terms of the money you need to support your lifestyle, and that really can't be risky, right? Because you got to pay for your mortgage, and you got to pay for food and kids and all that stuff. So that's on the most uh, riskless type of portfolio, and then the second bucket is for future needs. And that might be saving for retirement or college education or save to a buy building. And the risk parameters there drive you to, you have to take some risk. It, it's got to at least be an inflation and you probably need to take some market risk and have some bu- volatility within that bucket, but it's going to grow over time. And if and when the first two buckets are filled, then you can look at that third we call it aspirational bucket. And that might be the riskier investments. Maybe it's a venture capital. Maybe it's funding a startup. Maybe it's, you know, I was talking about one of my dentists that, that invested in, in vineyards and a winery that certainly falls into the riskier bucket. So those three stair steps of risk fall nicely into these buckets. And it's a very simple way to think about it. Every person can get their arms around it. You don't need a finance or doctoral level to understand that, but it's a great format to think about your wealth. But you have to sit down, folks, and make the time and not think about your practice or not think about uh, Joey's baseball game for a little bit and plan your future. And that's what's so important. So, Steve, I want to get into now, folks, we are not going to have a conversation today about Okay, Steve, what do you think is the best thing to invest in in 2021? Because you know what? I have a feeling with everything that's going on, you throw a dart at the wall and and, and maybe even the dart doesn't know where to go. So we're not going to get into that particular conversation. But what I do want to do is I want to talk about some of the different food groups that we deal with in investing. And let's start off with with equities. And Steve, walk, walk through the difference between a growth stock and a value stock and how you, when, when you are when you're building a portfolio for one of your clients, how do you use stocks? What What's your thought process for different types of dentists? Maybe, maybe go into that. Sure, sure. So it, it all go, goes down to the risk reward trade-off. And a couple of tenants that are bo- both very uh, academic and, and practical in theory or, or practiced in, in, in um, portfolios is diversification. So any portfolio that's built over time will have some stocks, some bonds, um, some growth stocks and some value stocks, uh, some international, and will m- m- massage those balances over time. But 
history has shown us that having a broad diversification over all those asset classes, optimized return and per, per the unit of risk that that takes. So let's go back to talking about the difference of, of value and, and growth. Um, the growth stocks, by definition, are those that uh, investors expect the earnings and revenue to grow faster than the market. Sometimes there's a premium paid for those stocks, and that's because in the case of, let's say, uh, uh, a Google or uh, Amazon, they've proven to grow their earnings and sales faster than the market on average. Value stocks, on the other hand, are stocks where their intrinsic value today might be lower than the overall market, but because of those mispricings or anomalies in the path of that business present a, a, a value where you can buy today and some catalyst unlocks that value over time and then the stock appreciates and the, the investor is rewarded. So, uh, so Steve, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was, I was gonna say, over time, statistically, value stocks have actually outperformed growth stocks You know, since we started tracking this since the end of the, the um, risk grade recession. But in most recent years, the growth stocks have had an outstanding run, have far outpassed the, the value category. Especially so, in this pandemic when you've got the companies that, that favored people that worked at home, <laughs> they did very, very well. And, and, and see, talk about the two components of when, you know, when you invest in an equity, folks, uh, you're, you're going to you're going to build your wealth through two pieces. Number one is the the growth and the value of the of that security, whether it's a mutual fund or a stock, and the other is the dividend that it pays. So, how do those interact, Steve? Right, right. So, the w- one of the uh, key characteristics of a long term portfolio is cash flow, right? And in uh, you in the accounting world, you know you can um, mess around with the accounting and earnings. But if a company is producing cash, that's a good thing. And, and you can't make up cash by accounting. The business either produces cash or it doesn't. And if that cash then gets returned to investors, e- either through the form of direct dividend payments or share buybacks, that's a good thing. So savvy investors over the years have, have looked to dividend payments as a sign that a company is in good shape. Um, and, and several portfolio managers and, and fund managers have done very well looking at companies that have been able to grow their cash flow over time and, and then be willing to share that with, with their shareholders. I mean, at the end of the day, the market evaluates a, a security, a company based on its earnings. I mean, that, that's the fundamental of how a stock is. I mean, there's obviously a lot more that goes into that. If, if a company is doing really well, its stock price should reflect that. And if a company is not performing, and, and look at how many companies have filed bankruptcy in the last you know, two or three years, um, you know, it should reflect it too. It, it, isn't that pretty much the fundamental of how we look at stocks? Um, um, definitely. And I know that uh, we said going in, we'd be careful about making specific recommendations. But I, I will say that because of exactly what you're saying in um, in the coming years, uh, we think as, as a firm, and, and you've seen it in a lot of the business publications, that active management will do better than the index managers because there will be a disparity between companies that are actually doing well and the street is expected to w- reward that. And conversely, companies that aren't performing will be discovered and 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 not attractive to the investment community. Um, and uh, I, I believe strongly that, that in the coming years, that active management and stock selection will provide value to investors. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. And it's, it's, it's a, it's every day is a new adventure. Talk about bonds. Talk about sure. bonds. Where, where do you fit bonds into a portfolio? What's the purpose? Uh, you know, right now, interest rates are really low, but how does that work? Right. right. So, in long-term asset allocation theory, bonds can serve as a buffer to the volatility of your equity portfolio, and historically could provide a source of income. With rates at the current rates, 
today, it's uh, hard to count on bonds for income. And you've seen a lot of portfolio allocators re reduce uh, their tactical allocation to bonds. I, I'll say tactical versus strategic, right? So in a, and I'll back up, in a moderate portfolio, one might expect a 55% allocation to equities, a 35% allocation to bonds or fixed income, and maybe a 10% allocation to cash. That would be your long-term strategic allocation. Today, the technical allocation, because bonds represent less value and the yields are low, the allocation might be only 30% or 25%. And, and we would supplant that with perhaps dividend-paying stocks or even alternative investments. So that's and what we're doing. There's no cookie-cutter method in anything that you do that any good advisor like Steve would do. Um, it, it's all based on your, your risk tolerance and your individual uh, you know, your, your individual situation. I have clients who have literally said to me, Art, I will never invest money in the stock market because I will not sleep at night. I'm sure, Steve, you've had one or two of those, right? Correct. And, and I, I, to that person, I'd say, go back to the goals and go back to the timing for those goals. And that'll tell you if you can accept your risk or not. And that then one investor might have different asset allocations and a different mix of investments because those would drive the different needs of the different goals. Yeah. So I want to take a break here, Steve, and, and I want to give you an opportunity to share your contact information with our listeners. And folks, again, I, I just want to be clear. And, I, and if I say this on every episode, that's fine. Uh, I'm allowed. It's my podcast. Um, I, I don't get anything from Steve. I bring people onto this podcast because they are quality human beings, quality professionals who care um, their number one um, priority is to, to make sure that their clients are well taken care of. And there's no doubt in my mind that Steve is one of those people. So, um, and, you know, Mer Merrill Lynch is a, a world-renowned investment firm uh, with lots and lots of really smart people like Steve and uh, resources. So, uh, Steve, why don't you give out, you know, if you have a question, I'm sure you would be happy to talk to any of our listeners, listeners, uh, complimentary to get started and just kind of see what they're looking for. Um, how would someone get a hold of you? And we will also uh, put that information in the show notes uh, when we um, when when these get sent out and marketed. So, uh, Steve, what would be the best uh, phone number, email um, uh, to get a hold of you? Certainly, thanks, Art. So, my office number is seven one four four two nine. 2830. And we're located in the Center Club building right next to South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa, California. My email is simple, steve underscore kwong, K-W-O-N-G at ml.com. And I absolutely would be happy to be a resource and answer any questions and anybody in, in arts network if, if I can help out. And, and if I can't help you or the firm can't help you, I'll, I'll, I'll find someone who can. So sure. the invitation is open. And we'll, we'll, we'll put that again in the show notes. So Steve, so I wanna talk a little bit about the different uh, options that people have uh, to invest. And as far as, as you know, we, we've talked that, you know, you've got the, the large, uh, national uh, investment financial advisory firms like a Merrill Lynch. You've got, um, you know, you, you've got companies uh, like Vanguard and Fidelity out there. You've got individual uh, investment advisors who uh, some of them are stock pick stocks. Some of them work with money managers. So um, what, what are the differences and what should people be looking at as far as you know, how do you pick a good person to help you with your investments? Sure, sure. And there really are a lot of choices out there. And, and, and clearly, as an advisor, I have options on, on where I want to hang my shingle and where I think is the best platform to serve my clients. And so really, there, there isn't one right answer. And clearly, I've made my choice. And, and the, maybe the, I'll share the advantages of a big national firm and a wirehouse like ours is, is access to a broad range of financial services, not only investments, but trust services and banking and lending. And, and you've got all the power of a, of a truly international organization. But some investors might be looking for more localized uh, representation. 
And there's plenty of fine firms out here that are local RIAs or independent shops that have very smart advisors and, and maybe just one or two uh, people in their office or, or, a, or a handful, but, but they're local, they're in the community, uh, they're astute, they have access to, to investment products and might present a, a, you know, a closer to the, to the local community kind of approach. Um, there's also uh, the, I'll call it advisor list, but uh, for the do-it-yourself investor that maybe wants to pick their investments themselves and just have a, a low-fee platform. So whether it's Schwab or Ameritrade, um, there's a firm out there called Betterment that does a index-based, uh, will manage the portfolio for you at a very low cost. Um, it doesn't have a lot of client service, but it's a, it's a very well-structured investment platform and could be the, the right solution for someone who doesn't need a lot of personal advice or, 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 uh, or handholding. So at the end of the day, folks, and, and, and see that that that's that's great information because there are lots of different options, just like there are lots of op- different options of CPAs you can hire, lots of different options of dentists that you can go to. Uh, you've got dentists that that uh, work in private practice. You've got dentists that work in uh, large uh, national chain dental office. I mean, there's all kinds of options. And what I've always said is our business is about relationships. And at the end of the day, when someone comes to me, is referred to me, when someone is referred to Steve, uh, you know, there's nothing on the internet that says if I click on Steve Kwong's name, it's going to tell me exactly what his returns have been for every one of his clients. That's not how it works. It's about about relationship and feeling comfortable with the person that you're talking to and that that you trust them and that they care. And, And that's when it comes to whether you hire Steve or somebody else, or you hire an estate attorney, or you hire a CPA, or you hire a retirement plan minister, anybody, folks, I, I want to really emphasize is you need to get to know them, you need to talk to them, and you need to go to your gut and say, does this guy really, is he the guy for me? And that's, isn't that really important, Steve? Isn't that how uh, you know a lot of clients look at you and, and your team and stuff? I 100% agree, and and uh, you, you know, in, in the investment world, what I'm talking about is taught all over. It's it's not a secret, and, and yes, I bring some expertise to the table, but most other advisors have had similar training and have similar degrees and, and know what I know, um, and, and I can say the same thing for you. The, the IRS code is not a secret, right? It's published for everybody, but your ability to understand that and then moreover understand your clients and understand the needs of a dental practice and, and apply that knowledge to that specific situation that's that's the the golden ticket and then your care and your understanding of the clients and willingness to understand the client's personal needs that's most important um, well, my, 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 my standard line is that all tax returns like my golf score are quoted approximately so we just kind of make it up correct. <laughs> No, folks, we don't do that. We follow the tax code, I promise. All right, so Steve, let's talk about maybe get into some of the weeds as far as some of the stuff you've done with some of your dentists as far as, I, I know that we we look at their retirement plans and we, we look at health savings accounts and real estate. So, so I got a dentist who's in his, he's in his or her 40s and he's, he's really doing well. I mean, we're coming out of this horrible pandemic and Fortunately, knock wood. I'm, I'm gonna. I don't know if you can hear that. I just knocked on some wood. Uh, the dental right. profession came out of the the pandemic a heck of a lot better than a lot of businesses out there, and we're still standing. So you know, let, let's talk about for for my dentists who are in you know mid career. Um, you know what what talk about the retirement plan. Talk about some of the things that you talk to your dentists about to, to help to get them to their goals. Sure. So typically the. The dental practice, after you've got a, a pretty nice salary that the dentist can can make and and then payroll is covered, we want to take advantage of of the retirement plan vehicles. Um, maybe start a 401k plan or profit sharing plan that you as the main dentist, but also your employees get to participate in. Um, the, the side benefit there is is I, I like to encourage my clients to look at as a steward of, of their employees and their staff's welfare. And a 401k plan is a no-brainer to put in place and let them start socking away money for their retirement. 
But then as the owner of the business and, and plan sponsor, you've got some advantages to store away money for yourself. And then after that, if there's still extra money, and often there is, you can look at uh, various deferred comp plans and defined benefit plans that maybe favor you as the principal uh, in the amounts that you can put in, and that grows tax deferred over time. And And Art will agree that that tax deferred growth compounded over 10, 20, 30 years can really be meaningful. Uh, so we encourage any of our, our doctors or professional practices and, and you know, lawyers would fall into this category, engineering firms. But uh, these professional practices where you're you know, afforded the opportunity to make a nice salary, you want to take advantage of some of these retirement plans. And yes, they typically are invested in a mix of stocks and bonds. That, and that's the preferred investment vehicle inside of these plans. It gets a little more complex, but you've seen uh, dental practices and doctor practices end up putting some real estate in in some of their pension plan vehicles. And that's probably a more granular conversation with with Art um, down the road. Well, let's talk about real estate, Steve. Do you think it makes sense to own, uh, for a dentist to own their own dental building? Depending on the the market, but yeah, I've, I've seen... Uh, dentists use real estate, not only owning their own practice, but then buying units or, or condos, or e- even there, there's opportunities to invest in um, a multi-investor limited partnerships. But real estate tends to chug uh, slower over time. There's always that every 10 years or so, you know, a dramatic downturn, and then it turns around and starts chugging back again. So we really look at real estate as a great vehicle to build long-term wealth. I I know that there's a lot of talk about people who spin houses or get in at the right part of the cycle and are able to take a quick pop. That's great, but you're the people on this on this uh, podcast. That's not your expertise. Your expertise is running a practice. And, and I'd leave that up for others. But if you look at real estate as a, as a way to build long-term wealth, get appreciation over time, beat inflation, and perhaps collect some cash flow, uh, we really like that asset class, uh, especially for medical practitioners. It makes it a lot easier, folks, number one, to sell your practice down the road when you sell. Um, what happens is, is that instead of dealing with a landlord who's going to blow your deal up, which... I've told you guys I'm a dental practice broker also. I've sold my partners and I have sold probably close to 150 practices over the years. And, you know, every single time when we bring on a dentist uh, to sell his or her practice, we say, okay, here's the deal. Everything's probably going to go okay, except for the landlord. But if you're the landlord, it just makes it a lot easier. And it allows you to get additional cash flow when you retire. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking to buy a um, uh, to buy a condo in the 450 Sutter Building in San Francisco, which is the largest, uh, the, the building that has the most number of dentists in the United States, uh, that might be a little more difficult than buying one in uh, uh, the middle of Kansas or Oklahoma. I mean, it's just a, it's just a matter of that. So, Steve, you you and I, you you used a term with me before. We talked about this thing called a side hustle, maybe sure. farmland, and and then you know it's not a that's not a dance, right? That's yeah, I mean I I can't dance. Um, you you know you, you want to use me much more for my uh, financial acumen than my dancing, and especially my singing. You will never hear me sing on this podcast. In fact, the uh, FCC probably shut me down. But anyway, farmland, medical devices, you know things like that. So talk about those types of investments and, and if people have other things going on in their life, how, how do you build that into the whole thing? Sure. I would take the, well, for, let me step back. There, there's a lot of smart people in the dental field and many of those listings have ideas or have stumbled across a, a, a business uh, that is attractive and and so in in my lifetime I I, I shared the one of our our, our friends I actually developed a, an autoclave that he patented and uh, he doesn't manufacture this but has a royalty and does really nicely just on the side of collecting money from his royalty uh, I know that one of 
a, a client got out of the dental practice because he was doing so well with his almond farm and, and pistachios, and he, he became a full-time farmer. That's probably an exception. But when we approach these side businesses, it's important to put a, put a fence around how much assets you'll, or capital you'll allocate to that, uh, because we don't want the dream to tank the, the bigger goals, right? So consult your CPAs and consult your financial advisors, and, and maybe that falls into the third bucket we alluded to before as aspirational. That said, you know, we've seen some, some dental practitioners build some nice wealth on the side with, the, with these side hustle ideas. Yeah, but but we also have to remember, Steve, and I'm sure you've you've probably shot down more than one of these. Unfortunately, healthcare practitioners are a target for promoters uh, who try and get them to invest in things that are not maybe not appropriate or that are just have a tax angle for it. I've seen that, and uh, folks, you know, if it smells like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So you gotta be really careful. But if it's a if it, if it's money that you're meeting all your goals, right, Steve? You you feel like you talked about the three different buckets earlier. Um, you know, you're 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 being you're able to fund your kids' college education. You're able to put money in retirement. You're able to live your life the way you want to live your life. And then you've got this. You called it, I think, the aspirational bucket, right? Um, is is you know you got some extra money. Um, one of my ten golden rules. Is never uh, you know never invest two of them is never invest in something you don't understand, and never invest more money than you can afford to lose. I think I think that's pretty good, isn't it, Steve? Oh, absolutely. And then, go ahead. In your in your role as an advisor, sometimes the best value you can offer is letting your client say an idea out loud to you, saying, "Art, I think I should do X, Y, and Z." And once the words come out of that doctor's mouth and they hear it, you don't have to say anything, right? <laughs> they know it's a dumb idea. And all you have to do is sit back and smile and say, yeah, I think you've come to your own conclusion. I, I but, had, but being a sounding board like that is one of your most important roles. I, it is. I have a, a client one time came to me and said, uh, you know, my husband wants to invest in a particular type of a retail business. And I looked at them and I said, no, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And, and 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 her comment to me was, "Art, don't say no to him. Bad things will happen to you and I if you say no to him." I said, "Okay, because we are advisors, Steve. We don't live people's lives. They ultimately make the final decision on whether they're going to invest, whether they're going to buy a piece of real estate, whether they're going to put money in a retirement plan, um, whether they're going to fund a college fund. So that, that's really important." As we're kind of running towards the end of our time, I want to talk a little bit about transition succession plans. And you know, what what are you telling dentists when they get into their 50s and 60s about what should they be doing? What should they be looking for? Because folks, this is why you got to start saving early. This is why you got to call a competent financial advisor, CPA, someone like a Steve Kwong, who, who basically, when you get to your 50s and 60s, and you can say, you know what? My arm hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I don't want to be a dentist. I want to do something else. Uh, you know, then you can because you have saved. If you don't start early and you spend it all early, you can't do that. So talk about succession plan and, and, and how you advise dentists in that way. Sure. And I think one of the fun concepts that we've been discussing with our doctors and, and any business owners is today. The idea of retirement has a totally different flavor than you know your, our parents' retirement, right? And maybe it's more about optionality to, to do something different than it is you know walking away and then fishing and playing golf all the time. So we talk about that, and and what would you do if you weren't going to a practice every day and and uh, allow some dreams to happen, perhaps? And maybe it's philanthropy or. Maybe it's uh, starting an entrepreneurial business. Maybe it's consulting and, and helping young dentists you know, grow their practice. There's a lot of different options out there, and we really want our clients to explore all of that. But uh, first, I say five years before you you're want to retire, start thinking about it. And some of the things you might want to address are, 
do I want to sell my practice? Is there a likely successor inside the practice? And how do I you know, transition to my younger partners? Um, do I just want to sell? Uh, maybe I want to, I, I, I love dentistry and I still want to work one day a week. So how does that factor into a, a, a deal going forward? So all of those things, are, again, are, are, are aspects that, that one should look at. Um, and then also the, the clients are most concerned with if I sell and the amount of money that I have, will that support my lifestyle until I die? And one of the things that we want to consider now is, is longevity risk, right? People are living longer. And even though the, the stated average age for guys might be 84 and women might be 86, if you're already made it to your 50s or 60s, chances are you're going to make it into your 90s. And with medical technology being what it is, maybe you know 90 to 100 isn't out of out of sorts for someone who's 40 or 50 today. So we got to plan on making that 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 number last. And so that also changes your risk parameters. And and maybe you do want to have another income source that isn't a dental practice before you retire. I mean, one of the things that, that we talk about at the Ellemeyer Group, and you know, our leader is, uh, and I've had Bill on the podcast. Bill is, I think he's eighty-two or eighty-three years old, and you know, he, he talks about never retiring and never stopping to work, and that that the statistics show that if you if you just sit in your chair and watch TV after you retire, your your life expectancy goes down and things like that. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, think about and I tell I, I've had this conversation, Steve, with doctors a lot. It's like, OK, I'm two or three years from selling the practice. And I've had doctors who literally come to me and they say, Art, I'm really scared. I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is getting up four days a week and going to the office and doing dentistry. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, like Steve said, take a would you say take a walk on a beach with a glass of wine? Pinot is my uh, preferred uh, uh, wine, quite frankly. And, um, you know, just think about what is it that you've always wanted to do that you haven't been able to do. And if you have the financial ability through doing good, you know, doing a good savings plan and investing, then you can think about, you know, what do I want to do? Maybe I want to work two days a week as a dentist. Maybe I want to, maybe I love dentistry. I just hate the management part of it, right? I mean, you know, so these are the things you talk about with your clients. Yes. And then one of the other fun conversations that we get to have is, is if I've done my job and the client's done their job, they look at their wealth and they look at the, and we do some pretty detailed projections and say, okay, I'm comfortable that I'm not going to run out of money before I die. And in fact, I'm going to have a little bit left. And then that's another conversation. Well, we could have a plan that the government has, and then when you die, it all goes to them, or we could set up some charitable vehicles or foundations or trusts that uh, advance, you know, things that are important to you, whether it's your alma mater or your church or synagogue, you know, healthcare causes. And that's a fun conversation to have to think about legacy and, and giving back after you've had a really nice career. And, and, and that is absolutely right. And that's, you know, doing that is more important to some folks than, than others. The great thing about this is there's no, there's no playbook. There's no rule that says you have to give X amount of dollars uh, over here or spend money over here or have this career over here. You, you can pretty much in this country uh, do whatever you want. Uh, and having money is is a vehicle to allow you uh, to do that. So, um, Steve, I think we've about run the gamut of our time. As uh, I love talking to you. You're, you're just a great wealth of knowledge and, and just you, you get it. I always say that there's two types of people in this life, those that get it and those that don't. And I've been fortunate to meet wonderful people like Steve Kwong uh, who get it. Um, so any last comments for our dentist? And I will ask you to stay on after we we sign off. Um, well, any last comments for a dentist that, that they might want to take away from this uh, conversation? Sure. Well, first off, a big thank you to you and I'd Bailey. Uh, it's a real pleasure to share this time with you. Um, but yeah, maybe my last comment would be try to find a really good team advisors to, to surround you, that you trust, that, that and, and to paraphrase, are that get you and that get your goals. And that can you can really build a team, um, that not just, you know, a, a, a vendor, but real advisors that, that know you and that you can trust. And that'll really help you escalate your goals and your wealth building. 
And it's a great opportunity, folks. We're at the beginning of 2021. We're in a year that we are all, every one of us on this planet are hopeful that is going to be a better year than 2020. We still have challenges. We all know that. Um, you know, we have vaccines that have come out. They've got to get them into people's arms. And dentists are going to be, at least here in California, I don't know about the rest of the country, um, there's a very good chance that you will be delivering some of them possibly uh, down the road. And that's a, that, that is something that, that you're going to save lives by doing. I mean, you, you do that anyway. So I want to really, really, I mean, my, my, you know, I, I don't get, nobody pays me money to do this podcast. I do this to give back to the dental profession that has, I've been honored to serve for now 36 years. And I want to tell you folks, I am passionate about saving money and getting there and getting to retirement and getting to where your goals are and working with great team people, uh, team members. And, and please promise me that maybe what you take from today and some of the other podcasts we do is that you're going to make this a call to action because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So anyway, my friend, Mr. Steve Kwong from Merrill Lynch, thank you so much. One more time, give out your contact information, please. Certainly. Uh, you can reach me at 714-429-2830 and the email Steve underscore Kwong, K-W-O-N-G at ML.com. So thanks so much, Art. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Again, hang on until we sign off. And um, folks, just a little more information. Again, go on to our website um, for Decisions in Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, look at all their wonderful clinical content and their fantastic continuing education courses. Everything is virtual right now. Um, if you're looking for a complimentary consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, you go right onto their page, click on the podcast link, and you can click the box and we'll get you to one of our 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 10,000 dentists. Um, and that's the Academy of Dental CPAs. If you're not working with a dental CPA right now, with all the stuff that's going on with the uh, uh, with PPP and the uh, HHS and the uh, FFCRA, I left that one out, uh, uh, the... <laughs> The sick leave. And I mean, you know, you, you've got, I, I could spend 30 hours a day reading about this stuff and I still wouldn't learn all of that. It's crazy. So you need to be working with somebody who's on top of it. And our 24 member firms, including Ide Bailey, Ide Bailey works with uh, over 800 dentists. Um, we've got you covered. So anyway, uh, and one more, one more shout out for our uh, webinar series where we've got six local dental societies in Southern California that were Broadcasting to our first uh, kickoff webinar is a, a wonderful dental coach by the name of Kira Dent out of Reno, Reno Nevada. You will love to hear her. Uh, if you can be on it, uh, it's January 13th. If you can't, you can go to our website at www.idebailey.com. That's e i d e b a i l l y dot com, and you can go to the dental link in all of our um, all of our webinars. Uh, are there. We have webinars, uh, you know, there are going to be a dozen of them. We're going to have uh, one every single uh, second Wednesday of the month uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. California time. Uh, and if you want to uh, get a hold of me in my office, my number is 657-279-3243 or email me at a Wiederman. that's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at idebailey.com. If you want to be connected to the webinar series, just drop me an email and I'll get you over to uh, our wonderful director of marketing, Jessica Grobel, and we'll do that. So anyway, folks, I hope today is a call to action. Thanks again, Steve. I appreciate your time and your expertise. And that is it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. Uh, thank you for listening. Please tell all your friends about the podcast, write a review. Um, we got a lot of, lot of really, really great stuff coming up and we will stay on top of all the government programs and stimulus and tax changes, whatever, whatever they come up with, um, and keep you fully informed through 2021. And again, remember my five words that I have been saying now since March 16th, when they started shutting dental offices down. And I will continue with this charge. 
Failure is not an option. Folks, work on your practice, plan, do all the things that make you successful. And, and just remember how important the dental profession is, uh, not only to your patients, but to our entire country. So anyway, with that, this is Art Wiederman signing off. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.